You're listening to the HR Happy Hour Show with hosts Steve Bowes and Trish McFarland. Since 2009, the HR Happy Hour Show has been bringing you thought leaders, workplace and technology experts, academics, and more to take on the most important and interesting topics impacting work, human resources, technology, and the workplace. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net. HR Happy Hour Show 197. Trish McFarlane, what is happening? Wow, I feel it. Like, my gosh, we're closing in on 200 right at the end of the year. That's crazy. Are you? I, I, I have to remind people who I am. My name's Steve Bose. It's <laughs> uh, been a while. It's been a few weeks. I know we had Thanksgiving and some vacation, so I'm glad we were able to squeeze one of these HR Happy Hours in before the end of the year. We are recording this on a Tuesday. It is December 23rd. I got the day right, I think, this time. I it's, think you did. It's two days before Christmas. Um, we're going to try – I'll try to get this posted for a little Christmas Eve for present for the HR Happy Hour folks, and folks can download it and listen to it over over the vacation, maybe uh, over the weekend or something. So, uh, No, you know, it's really – it's become a tradition, I think. People really listen to us on Christmas Eve as part of the, the Christmas festivities, right, as you're – is you're either unwrapping presents or it, it, it or is it is a holiday tradition like having no, your hot cocoa like no other. I right. think it's uh, it's great to have the it's great to be a part of your holiday if you're listening at home with your, <laughs> your family and friends and loved ones gathered gathered around the uh, the Christmas tree or right. whatnot. You, you know what? I have a request for next year though. Go ahead. I'm just I'm just thinking this out loud. Um, so my entire life, I have been a huge fan of the Tournament of Roses Parade, as you you may know. I do know that. And every year since I was itty bitty, I have watched that parade and wanted to be in Pasadena live. I think if we planned far enough in advance that we should be able to broadcast HR Happy Hour live from the Tournament of Roses Parade. I am not even kidding you. Like, I, I am we in. could be like the Today Show. Trish, I am in right? for that. That's that's happening. It's we we probably can't pull it together this year. I, I no, would no. guess. No, no, for next year. Let's let's put that in the book for next year. Let's begin the process of, of of making that happen because uh, it's uh, gray. It's cold. It will remain gray and cold where I am for the next uh, nineteen months probably. So being in California for New Year's uh, sounds like a great uh, great plan to me. Wouldn't that be a great time to do the show? You know what? I have to tell you too, and then and I know we have other things to talk about. But um, my kids started um, playing in the band, the fifth grade band, a couple months ago, just in September. So they're coming along. It's coming along nicely. And the high school here in O'Fallon, Illinois, is actually going to perform in the Tournament of Roses oh, that's parade. Nice. And so they invited. What's the their, nickname of of the band? The the marching what? Oh, we're the O'Fallon Panthers. Okay. People Great. need to watch for the Panthers because what they did was they invited all of the kids from the fifth grade beginning band, um, which is made up of all different elementary schools here, and then the the junior high band, and they came to the high school about a week ago and did a performance together. And at the very end, the marching Panthers came in with their their you know the new uniforms on for specifically for this particular trip they're taking to Pasadena. And 
it was the coolest thing ever. Like I've never seen, you know, I've seen, everybody's seen their high school band play, which is great. Um, when you see the actual, you know, performance that they're going to do at something like the tournament of roses, it is a whole different ball game. It was amazing. The, the synchronized moves, the, I just, every, I can't even describe it. It was really, really cool. And then at the end of their, um, performance for the parents, they invited the fifth graders to go and stand. So like, you know, Carly plays the trumpet. So one of the trumpet players invited her to come stand nice. you know, over there and, and they got to play some Christmas music, holiday music with the, the marching Panthers, which, you know, if you're in fifth grade, that's a really cool thing. I, I, I would expect it is. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. I think, uh, <laughs> so we'll look for that. Well, the, uh, the marching Panthers on, right. on New Year's day, which New Year's is, day? yeah, so far, I'm going on vacation right after Christmas for a few days, but I will be back oh. home before, um, New Year's Day, so I will. Where are you going? Tell, tell. I'm tell going to San Francisco for four or five days. Right. So hopefully the weather will be nice. I haven't been tracking it. it it's it's been pretty nasty out there uh, now well, and again. Well, like you said, pretty much anywhere is better than, you know, northern, northern New York. Hope. Here, That's right? my hope. I have. Some, I think I have a 6 a.m. flight the day after Christmas, which Ooh. is either really smart or really stupid. I'm thinking it's not going to be too crowded. That time no, I think that's really Christmas. smart. People are still with their families at that point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to beat the rush. You're going to avoid sure. the pre-Christmas rush and, and yeah. sort of do the post-Christmas uh, flying away kind of thing. So, well, cool, Trish. It's good to get back on the show. We thought for – this is HR Happy Hour 197. I don't even have a title for the show. Just wrapping up 2014 maybe and looking ahead a little bit to 2015, but not making predictions. We talked uh, – <laughs> I don't want to do that, but uh, I thought there were because a couple – Hate predictions. Yeah, predictions are kind of silly. Don't get me started. And the funny thing is, uh, in, in you know, you you read a lot of uh, you read a lot, you go to a lot of events, you work with a lot of customers, clients, companies. You just try to keep. I mean, I do, right? And so do you. Was for what we do, we try to keep our ear to the wall. I think. So I was thinking back, like through some of the shows that we did this year, some of the events, particularly, you know, the events I'm a part of at HR Tech, of course, but a lot of the shows we did, and it seemed to me, Trish, this was finally in 2014, the year that, like, data, if you want to call it big data, whatever, I don't care, but that, it finally seemed like after four years of talking about it, this was the year we started hearing more about the effects of of data in organizations to make talent management decisions, whether it's recruiting, uh workforce planning, even compliance-related stuff that I know we did a couple of shows on this year. It finally seemed to me after three years of predicting it, 2014 was the year of sort of data in HR. I don't know if you sort of felt that way this year too. Yeah, I, I think you're onto something there because it takes a few years for any prediction or or trend, right, to, to start materializing. And so what with that as the example, you know, we can talk about big data four years ago but until you have people actually, you know, boots on the ground trained in how to access the data, and if they didn't have access to the data, they've had to take these last three or four years to, you know, buy the right technologies to access the data. And then even once you have the data, you have to train your people to be able to interpret the data and make recommendations based on the data. So that all takes time. But I think that's like anything. Um, you know, if you look back probably at predictions from four or five years ago, I think right now is when you're seeing those things come to fruition or at least really starting like to, like to your point to really take hold. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you know, I, I didn't 
have a chance to look back this morning, but I'll bet I could find in my blog archives. And I sort of stopped writing these prediction posts. Did myself. you write predictions? I, I probably have person? in the past, just because that seemed to be a thing for a while. Like in 2010, 2011, I pro there's probably a prediction post in my archive somewhere. Wow. But, I'm going to look in mine as we're talking. But, I, you know, I'm not a big prediction person. I think I might have just written one. Yeah, so I think, but I've said, my point, I guess, was I'll bet in 2010 or 2011, I might have predicted this. Oh, big data for HR, right? But you don't, it, it didn't, in 2011, nothing was happening. And the same, you could say the same thing about social, right? We, 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 we talked endlessly about social HR, social collaboration in HR, social, social, social. No one seems to talk about it anymore. And I think that's slightly different. Not, not, I don't think people, I don't think people have ceased talking about that one just because it's not important or it hasn't really panned out. It's just it hasn't panned out in the ways we thought it would, and and I think it's it's morphed into something else. And uh, I guess that's probably a different discussion. But um, I think there's a maxim, and I should have looked up who's who this is attributed to because it's a really famous sort of quotation or a maxim, and it says we. Uh, we tend to under we tend to overestimate the impact of techn new technology in the short term, and we underestimate the impact of new technology in the long term. Right, and I think that's almost certainly completely true with things that we've talked about the last few years in HR, and we've done many shows about whether it's big data, social technologies for HR, uh, and and the latest one, right, the new one for this year, which is going to be the buzzword of 2015, which is predictive analytics. Right, that that is going to be part of the dominant theme, uh, I think, of right. 2015, certainly with HR tech, right, and the stuff that I'm working on for my show. Uh, I can tell already that there's going to be tons of uh, emphasis, energy, and conversation around predictive analytics. But the truth is we probably won't see it, right? We probably won't see those really interesting stories, those real valuable stories, at least in mass, right, other than the outliers right. until 2016, maybe 2017 even. But you know what? Let me ask you this. Is that really a prediction? I mean, again, I agree with you on predictive analytics being a big focus for this coming year. It's, you know, you and I, for example, are going to be talking about it at the Brandon Hall Group um, HCM Excellence Conference in January um, with Mike Sinka from Equifax. So, I mean, it's definitely something that is talked about. But I don't, I guess the question is, what's the difference between something being a prediction versus maybe a trend versus uh, just a topic that's mm -hmm. yeah. timely. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, know. I almost look at predictions, and this is just my interpretation. To me, predictions would be more of a large-scale movement. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I said, oh, you know, in the next five years, we're going to see, okay, here's one, right, based on something in the news. Coca-Cola just got rid of voicemail I at their headquarters, that. right? So could yes. a, to me, a prediction would be more like by 2010 or 2010. There you go. That's really a prediction. Um, by, <laughs> by 2020, all workplaces will have gotten rid of voicemail. To me, that's like a prediction. That's a big statement. That's something, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Or do you think it's, I don't know. I, Can I you really have a prediction in just one year? Yeah, I, I sort of think you're right, Trish. To me, a prediction is got it's a little more tangible. So, whether you're saying by 2020, you know, 90% of organizations will have you know, eliminated the use of voicemail, that's a real prediction because it's sort of tangible and it's also um, theoretically, although no one ever does this, you could you can score that. We can we can we could in 2020 do a survey and find out if that prediction came true. Was it was it right? Right. Whereas I think trends are more just kind of macro shifts in maybe thinking or 
an approach or um, the the method in which uh, something happens. So I might so a trend the trend might be say the data thing we talked about for a second or two. You know the trend might be organizations applying more data and more quantitative analysis to talent management decision making. That's a, that's a trend, but that's very broad and that's very loose. And you could do a survey. Maybe you guys do these kind of surveys that say, well, okay you know, Mr. and Mrs. CHRO, um, what's the extent to which you're applying data and quantitative analysis to your talent managed decision making? Some, a lot, not at all, whatever they say. And, and you could compile that into a trend that is say, okay, we expect more organizations to do this. That's to me is a trend, whereas a prediction is like you said, you know, in 2015, you know, 90% of organizations will have moved their HRIS to the cloud. And, and you, you could actually score that. Whereas these trends, are, I think, are a little looser and a little bit more subject to interpretation. I don't know. That's how I would separate a, a difference between a, a trend and a prediction. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I do. So I predict that the trend will be <laughs> in 2015 will be predictive analytics. And, there, and I think, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it at your conference and I think we'll talk about it a lot throughout the year, um, and I think we'll see. I have I've just started looking at some of the kinds of things that are coming in that people want to talk about at HR Tech in 2015, and, and I can already see that that's going to be a subject area of emphasis, which I think is really interesting, and I'm glad for it. Uh, we'll we'll see how it goes, but I guess I'd caution it, you know listeners and everybody else really too to not get too caught up because I think that's the other problem with these trends slash predictions right Trish at least for HR people and maybe you can think about your life as an HR leader maybe before you you're, you become an analyst I think they have a tendency to scare people or make people feel like somehow they're not keeping up so if, if oh, absolutely right if, 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 yeah. if, if you read in work for uh, you know HR exec online or workforce or you know any number of other places my blog your blog whatever if we come out there and say 2015 is the year of predictive analytics and here's why it's so important and you're you're an HR pro somewhere in a normal job in a normal company with normal challenges and problems and in, in, in all the things that that entail you know trying to keep keep the ship going you might sit there and say predictive analytics you know we've we've just barely consolidated our systems you know a year ago we've just barely you know f finished our 37th upgrade right you feel right. like almost inadequate i don't know if that ever came up like or you ever thought that way back when you were running hr yeah absolutely but i think you know that what you just said is huge that is it's like we almost need to pause on that because that's the truth you you know when you're actually in the trenches doing the hr role whatever like manager director vp it doesn't matter you are so embedded in the day-to-day -day running of the business. You can be the most strategic thinker. You can be someone who stays up on reading all of these things that are coming, you know, trends and predictions or whatever, mm -hmm. and you can want them and you can desire them. But in in the end, it doesn't necessarily equate back to your day-to-day. -day. You have a whole lot of people to convince. And so when you think about all the people who aren't even willing to go to bat for some of these things, and you know, an HR leader isn't going to run into the CEO and go, this year it's predictive analytics and we need to really get on the bandwagon and we're behind. No, because you're right. At the end of the day, honestly, when I was running HR, I really, it all comes down to you got to make sure you're getting people paid and you've got to make sure their uh, benefits are right. And you've got to be people who want right? to be paid. And so people like to downplay the amount. Look, they say, oh, HR is administrative. Well, it is. I mean, that is part of it. But the real truth of it is, it's about taking care of your employees, right? And so until you take care of your employees on a day-to-day -day basis and make sure they have what they need, you know, 
you can't even worry about some of these other things. And that's the struggle. Yeah. Especially in a small to mid-sized company, I can vouch for. So in larger companies where maybe you have more more bodies in the HR team, some who can be dedicated to thinking about these things, you have a whole team of you know HRS folks who are are focused on data and analytics and predictive analytics. That's great. But if you're just you know a small team of say ten to even twenty people in a mid-sized company, man, it's really hard. So you may want it, but yeah. It, ta- it takes years sometimes just just to get where you want to go. Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, quick pause, reset. This is HR Happy Hour 197. Uh, my name is Steve Bowes, Trish McFarlane, of course, with us, uh, with me, with together. We're, how do you say that the right way? Uh, joint, um, <laughs> I don't know. About a practice, I guess. You're but, cracking me up. I know. I know. It's fun. It's good to do the show. We're doing um, – just kind of looking back a little bit on some of the 2014 stuff, thinking ahead of 2015, just having a conversation around whether what's a trend, what's a prediction, and, and, and some of the challenges facing HR going forward. But, you know, so, yeah, I am agree with you, though, Trish, in general, though. It, it, it's sort of silly to some extent to, to to waste too much time in the predictions trends game anyway. And I, I did a little bit, you know, because I'm, a, you know, I, I'll, I, I'm terrible at saying no to things. I know I've provided comments to a few uh, publications in the last few weeks about you know trends for you because know, everybody wants to write the same story uh-huh. right mm-hmm. what's what's the trends what's the what's what's going to happen in 2015 I know I've provided some comments on that and so I, the truth comes out you are doing predictions not on my own site though but like <laughs> I, I did get contacted by a couple of different uh, people in the last few weeks to to give comments and since I you know I'm an expert Trish I have to provide commentary you so. no you know what Steve it's it's good reading it makes for interesting reading. To see what people think is coming, I, I give you know I give credit there. And sometimes, if you do have you know again, in terms of being on the analyst side, if you do have data that shows the trends over the last several years, for example, on a certain topic, and you can then make an educated prediction based on data, that's that's one thing. Yeah. But I think too, I'm thinking I'm I'm going to think back before I was an analyst when I didn't necessarily have data backing my thoughts up. That was truly. Maybe that's the difference in my mind between a trend and a prediction. Like, I feel like a trend is something I can document over time. I have data to show me that that's what's happening. And then I'm sort of saying, here's what I think the next step will be. For me, when I look back, if I looked back like, oh, 2010, my predictions were, mm-hmm. well, it was based on experience. So I'm not going to say it's based on nothing. It was based on maybe what I was hearing in the, you know, in the industry or what I was experiencing in my day-to-day job. But I didn't really have, I didn't really know for sure. <laughs> Yeah. It's just an educated guess, really. Well, right, that's what I was thinking it's when sort you were, of what a prediction is. When you were, you were saying that, Trish, I was thinking, well, the real difference might be, you know, uh, versus, without the data, it's just me just speculating or guessing or, or you know, right. t- taking some insight for, uh, you know, and I, the last thing I'll say but on those this. Those are interesting, too. But, yeah. They can be very interesting. And, and the so. last thing I'll say on this, and I didn't do it this year, just I just didn't get around to it, but in the past, when I've sort of written the last couple of them, I think I've done to try to look forward, forward-looking kind of predictions. I look at the more general sort of tech predictions or industry business or even kind of design, marketing, advertising, societal predictions. I was, I would love the, the the JWT one is one I'd always look at every year, and uh, the one from uh, the design firm PSFK. Those are the two I'd always read every year. I read the PSFK one the other day, but I didn't have a chance to write about it. 
But I don't think I've heard of that one. Yeah, they're a design firm. They always put out like what sort of what were the interesting things that happened in 2014 and what what do we think is going to happen in 2015? And it has nothing to do with HR or HR tech or even even the workplace too often or work. Sometimes it does a little. But I, I, I sort of like to look at those kinds of things and see if I can come up with any kind of interesting application or reflection like on them back to the world of work and the workplace. And I didn't do that yet. Maybe I will before the end of the year. But um, the other thing yeah. I wanted to talk about, Trish, because I'm completely fascinated by this and I spent like probably two hours on Sunday, this past Sunday, reading about this stuff is the Sony Pictures Entertainment hacking uh, situation, which I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by. Uh, I don't know how much you've read about it or followed it, but uh, it, to me, it's, it's, there's so many layers and levels to this. I, we could do an hour on this. I know we don't have time to do an hour on it today, but I'm completely blown away by how, how interesting this is. Well, and maybe it, maybe that beckons a show where we do nothing but talk about that. I, I have to tell you, I mean, I was out of town this weekend with my, my grandparents mm, and nice. um, celebrating their 85th and 95th birthdays. Who, and they must have had a lot to say about the North Korean hacking. I would we talked about, about it endlessly. You know, my grandma, yes, yeah. my grandma who just turned 95, she has Alzheimer's. So you can imagine the depth of the conversation around the Sony hacking. No, I seriously, and, and I've only just, you know, caught bits and pieces on, on the news channels and on the internet a little bit. Um, but I think it's you know it's interesting overall as a topic too. There, like you said, there are so many layers to uh, to the whole situation to be discussed. Yeah, so, I'm going to give you yeah. two, the two that are the most interesting to me, and I yeah, blogged about this last week. And I know you follow my blog very closely, Trish. Religiously, just, but just in case, <laughs> this was a few days ago. I read it. I read uh, it. You might have, but I but I've churned out lots of great content since then. Is my point? So you may That's not because rem- you write way too much. Uh, possibly. So I thought there were two right off the top, two incredibly fascinating things that do relate to HR and HR tech. One is. A lot of data that got leaked and got exposed in the, in the hacking and then the subsequent leaking of the information was employee data, salaries, benefit data, social really? security numbers. A lot of employee data came out, right? Uh-huh. And But here's, here's the interesting thing. That data was all found and discovered and then subsequently leaked, almost invariably, at least to the reporting that I read, and I read a ton of the reporting, was they were all in Excel spreadsheets. Right, Excel spreadsheets with salary information and benefit information and cost information, performance reviews, tons and tons of data, all in Excel spreadsheets. Because right? that's how we do it in HR. And that's what—that's the fascinating part to me. Now, yeah. so I'm not, it doesn't matter what product they use, and there's a LinkedIn discussion thread on the HR tech group that is, is diving into this to some extent. But uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment is a really big company. They 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 have an HRIS system. They've had had one. They've had probably had many of them over the. They they don't they don't do uh, their payroll on Excel spreadsheets, right? So having so they have an, a big HR system. They're a big company with tons of money, right? But all this data, as you said, Trish, right? It all ended up in Excel spreadsheets, which is subsequently when when their networks got compromised, the salary data, the employee data, it was all easily found and discovered and and dis- disseminated because the hackers didn't break into the HR system and figure out how to get into that HR system and figure out how to pull up an employee record and look at that employee's information. They didn't do any of that. They just found spreadsheets full of, you know, salaries 2012.xls or whatever the files were called, right? Right. And I, so I thought that's fascinating too. Like, and maybe, maybe as, as a, a byproduct of this hack, right, every single HR system I've ever been around, every demo I've ever been in, everything I've ever used, right, almost like in the first hour of the demo, 
somebody from the tech company is, t is telling someone on the, on the HR team, hey, you know what's great about this? You can put it all in Excel. You can put it all in PDF. Right. Right. I mean, and, and that becomes the least secure thing in the world. And, and so what I, one of the things I wrote about was the single biggest area of risk that most organizations probably have in terms of their HR and employee data and their salary data is stuff that's sitting on people's desks in Excel spreadsheets. That's probably the single biggest risk area right now. I don't know what I you think I would agree 100% because it doesn't matter if HR wants it in the HR system. That's great. Mm -hmm. It's the CEOs and the other leaders that drive wanting that in Excel. And the reason they want it in Excel is because <laughs> – here, here we go. You can get me off the bandwagon in a minute. Uh, um, like, the reason is is because every single one of them want to – you know, slice it and dice it their own way. So until you can get executives to agree that this is our approach to compensation, this is how we're all going to see it, we're going to keep it in our, you know, in our HR system where it's supposed to be, until that day happens, you're going to continue having everybody download it into Excel, and then they'll slice it and dice it. And let me tell you, the mess that comes back to the HR leader, when it's in 20 different formats at that point, and now all of a sudden you're trying to make sure it gets back into the system, it's a nightmare. And that's been, no matter where I've worked, no matter where, that's how it's done. Yeah, that's been forever. I'd agree with that, Trish. Forever. I'd agree with every single thing you said. And, and, and here's my sort of my question. And, you know, we'll see if this happens, and I doubt it will. Will there, will there be enough backlash from what's happened at Sony? Like, let's say, that, or maybe it'll happen again somewhere else, where these uh, the HR tech solutions themselves and or the companies that are buying them start to block that kind of access. So I don't care no. if you want to download all this all the salary data into Excel. You just can't do it. The salary no, data sits inside our secure cloud driven, you know, ISO seventy five hundred secure data center in Texas that's surrounded by armed guards twenty four seven and that's it. You know No, let me tell you why. Because that never happened. Well it it might okay, so here's our prediction. Maybe in like twenty twenty five, twenty thirty but right now, that's not going to happen because, I mean, there's there's many reasons. The top two I can think of right now is, number one, everyone's going to think, well, yeah, that happened to Sony, but that's it's not going to happen to us. <laughs> right. Right? Sure. Of course. There, there are so many companies. This surely isn't going to happen to us. Just like we think of, that's how humans think about everything. It's, you know, it's, it's always going to happen to somebody else. The second thing is that you are not going to have, uh, back to that that leadership, the executives, they do not have trust yet in the cloud. They don't. Humans don't, right? We put, we're putting more, we're putting more and more personal information into the cloud. We're starting to, and again, that, but that takes a lot of time. So they're still not totally, completely comfortable with everything being in the cloud. Yeah. And then that's why they'll continue to download it and put it into other formats that they can keep and you manipulate. And yeah. And you're right. Tech vendors, they'll tell you, yeah, you, oh, it's great. You can take all this data and put it into Excel or PowerPoint or whatever. Oh, yeah. I've seen That's some the selling point. PDF so, and every, yeah. everywhere else, right? Now, I get it. I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to say we can live in a world where no data should ever be exported out of the HR system or the HRIS system or the analytics system. You know, it, that's just not the world we live in. And you do have to make presentations and provide reports right. and give data. But to me, just the, 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 the appalling lack of security and the amount of sensitive data that's sitting, everybody listening to this podcast right now, you're in an HR apartment today. You're, 
don't lie to your, don't lie to, don't lie, don't lie to yourself. You have a file probably on your PC, possibly not even in a shared drive, just right on your machine, right on your laptop right now. That's got stuff in it that if it if it got out, if it got out into the public, would cause a lot of problems. I know it because right? that's just how people are. That's how it works. And well, and think about it. It's not even just your employee data. This this is also another one that comes up for HR leaders. It's as you are whether voluntary or involuntarily having terminations sure. and you're struggling, maybe the person's remote, you're struggling to get that computer back and you have client sensitive client data on that computer. You have, you know, so that happens. That's a daily occurrence in HR. So it's a bigger problem, I guess is my point. Yeah. I think that while we may think that the Sony situation is, is horrific and oh my gosh, the truth is, that, boy, that's going to be really hard. It's going to take a long time to get people to truly change their thinking. Yeah. And they will say right now that the risk currently, I think, outweighs going completely secure and not having things in Excel. Yeah, yeah. They I, do. I, yeah, I'd agree so. with that. So I think that's the first thing. And so the, the, that was the first thing I thought right off the top of my head, you know, all this HR data that got leaked. And then the second thing is just the emails. So the other the other big part of the, the leak from in terms of uh, causing Sony um, a lot of corporate uh, embarrassment as well as perhaps some liability down the line is is, is the and the email archives from many of their most senior executives have been released in, in dribs and drabs over time and I tell I, I think I Said I, I spent a couple of hours reading about this over the weekend, and and what the, what the hackers have been doing is about every day or every second day they pick like another executive and release that person's email archive to the world, and you know as you'd expect in in, in big corporations and executives, many many thousands upon thousands and thousands of emails were were released and. Um, to, uh, to, to, they take time to sort through, right, for people who are reporting on this story to sort through, but. Just some terrible examples of, 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 of uh, you know, just uh, some slightly racist jokes executives were making to uh, really um, embarrassing insults towards, uh, you know, numerous celebrities, which is the stuff that got reported on, right? Like the mm -hmm. celebrities and the actors and the directors that they were working with on the various productions. But the really, really fascinating and interesting uh, part of the story, Trish, and I, I know you probably didn't see this, was... Um, you know Mark Cuban, right, who's on Shark yeah. Tank, owns the Dallas Absolutely. Mavericks, right, famous guy. So Shark Tank is produced by uh, Sony Pictures Entertainment, produces the show. And so one of the emails uh, that was unearthed, and I don't remember which executive was emailing to Cuban, but it doesn't matter which one. one an executive at Sony and, and Cuban had sent one email about uh, Sony's salary or his appearance fees to appear on Shark Tank. And it was X amount of dollars. It doesn't really matter what Sony was offering him. And Cuban was not happy with the deal, right? So it's just a negotiation at this point. And Cuban wrote back in the email as, I'm not happy with this deal. We need to continue to talk about this. But no more on email. I want to move this conversation to cyber dust. Now, if you're not familiar with cyber dust, that's C-Y-B-E-R space D-U-S-T. Cyber dust is an app that Cuban is behind and his company has put out. You can think of it as essentially as like a Snapchat for more, I want to say Snapchat for the workplace because that's not really true, but it, it's, it's akin to a Snapchat, which you might be familiar with or listeners might be more familiar with, which is kind of messages that disappear, right? They last for 30 seconds and they're gone, mm. they're wiped. And yeah. so this was before the hack came out. Now, I know this is Cuban's own app and he wants to drive people to use it for his own personal reasons, but he had decided, interestingly enough, you know, at some point in the past, which led him to help, you know, build this app or, or, or 
you know, support this app, that he wasn't going to do salary negotiations over email. And uh, he just wasn't doing them there. And so consequently, he looks like a genius, right? He didn't know six months later all these emails would be released to the world, right? Of course, right? So he looks like a, some sort of a genius. Uh, right, yeah. right. But I think the, the bigger story here is, man, the amount of stuff we put in email every single day, and we have no idea where it's going. And the thing I wrote about in the post was, you know, for five, seven years now, we've been hitting each other over the head about – what you post on Facebook isn't private. What you post on Twitter isn't private. What, you know, all that stuff, just bang, bang, bang for, for 10 years if I'm sick of hearing it. And we, we don't even care about email. We'll put anything in an email, at least if you take the example from what these Sony people were up to. And you have no idea where that's going either. That could go everywhere. Forgetting about the hack, just about people forwarding it without your knowledge or BCCing people that you don't know about. And, and so my big takeaway from this is, and if we're going to talk about predictions again, that I think we're going to see a pullback from, from email and a, and, a, and, and a pull more towards either more phone calls, more private chats that can get wiped like CyberDust or Snapchat, and more kinds of people. I know I'm, I'm in this boat already, Trish. I'm going to be much more careful about what I put in email. And I'm always kind of careful. I'm going to be even more careful now. Well, I think you're right. But, I, you know, I wonder, too, though, do you have that attitude or does someone like me have that attitude? Because once you got involved and in, when social media started, you know, becoming more popular and we knew that was always my argument to the executives, no matter where I was working, was, look, you're you let people have access to email and they write anything and they do because I'm constantly, you know, reprimanding your employees for it um, because that's where all of the, the good juicy stuff always happened anyway. And they, yet they were worried about Twitter. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're worried about a sentence they might put out publicly. Well, but email is just internal. I'm like, no, they can forward it to anybody, you know? So th to me, there's always been a little bit of a disconnect there. Email has always been risky, but again, maybe now I do think maybe compared to the last thing we talked about, this might be a little more, um, media in terms of you'll see maybe a faster uh, change in thinking. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you can write anything in email. The other thing with email is you can, you know, even if you forward it, you can then doctor it up. All right, it, of course. It might not be what the person actually said, or you might take out key portions that give it context. Because I do think that that's happened um, just working in HR. I've seen lots of email chains where we've had to go back through, and then when we actually go back to IT and pull what was really sent, it's different. Yeah, yeah. So the person did doctor it before they sent it on to the next recipient or, again, something that in, taken in context would have been actually considered appropriate, now forwarded with some things removed, looks to be a lot worse than what it was. Yeah, so I so, think that's completely fascinating, Trisha. I think we should, yeah. we should revisit this. I know we're up against a hard stop here in a minute, but the, the yeah. other thing I, I'd say, and I didn't write about this, is there's been a really uh, heightened interest in sort of collaboration uh, technologies as well. Things like Huddle, which raised a bunch of money recently, an app called oh, yeah. Slack, which you may have heard of or, or may even use, and you, you work in a small company. Slack would be a kind of a, mm -hmm. a product that would be tailored to you guys. The... Uh, you know, to take things out of email and keep things more in, in collaborative streams related to projects. Or uh, I know we've we've played around with um, Asana for that purpose as well. So I, I think there'll be a, yeah. there'll be more of a focus on those kinds of applications where everything's out in the public. You know, like a, a chat thread about a document, everybody can see it. So you, these things things about doctoring it up or forwarding it out to other people who shouldn't have it. Those those kinds of concerns are, are significantly lessened when the platform itself is more open. So in, in, in a weird kind of counterintuitive way, it's more secure by virtue of it being more open. 
in a weird way. So let's anyway. do a show about that because I think that you're onto something and I do feel like, yeah, it, we're, we're sort of touting those under the guise of being more collaborative, which is true. It, it is more collaborative, but you're right. It having, can something more public actually be more secure? Yeah, I think that's, I love that's that. the show. All right, right. We'll do it. We'll do that. Yeah, so I'd love to talk more about those, those tools, not just to, mm-hmm. you know, to talk about them, but also so that, you know, some of the listeners can, um, can check into them and see if they're interested in using them themselves. Because I do think some of them also create greater efficiencies um, in, you know, compared to email. Totally agree. So we'll we'll circle back on that. Maybe we'll get somebody from Slack to come on the show um, or Asana. Trish, yeah, I love it. Um, Merry Christmas. Guess I, probably, I don't know if I'll talk to you before Christmas. It's yeah. it's almost Christmas. So I'm um, surprised you're not making us do a Christmas Day show. It's crazy. We could do it. Are you available? I don't have ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe New Year's Eve, though. I mean, we need to talk about that, so I do need to okay. talk to you about that. I, I, I'll be back in time before New Year's Eve, so we'll have to discuss that. So um, Discuss. I'm around. Awesome. So, Trish, thank you. Uh, this has been fun. We'll get this posted right away. Uh, any last words? Any comments? We want to let this one go out and just say, say thanks to everybody who listened this year? Although, we yeah, might be back just, on. If we're not back just, on... I was going to say, yeah, thanks to all the listeners. I mean, we've had a lot of fun this year, and I think that what our plans are for next year, it's going to even take it up a notch. But being able to take the show, not just live, because we've done it live many times before, but live in front of a real audience. Yeah, that was uh, a blast. Person, that was probably the highlight of the year for the show. That was definitely one of the highlights of my year. Maybe that's how we do an, an end-of-year show, is just talking about some of the show highlights and maybe uh, refocusing on some of the shows that, that did get a lot of listens, and maybe even one or two that didn't get a lot of listens that that probably should have because they were really interesting guests. So sure. yeah, sounds I'm great. Opposed to something like that too. Yeah. So great. That sounds great. Big year for the happy hour. Lots of great stuff coming next year, which you'll hear Absolutely. about soon. Uh, find us on iTunes, HR happy hour, just search HR happy hour, Stitcher radio for Android devices, outcast app for iPhone as well. We're on there too. We're everywhere. So, uh, everywhere. Check, check us out next, uh, uh, next year as well. So th- anyway, thanks from the HR happy hour show and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.